Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 84th episode of the PJ Archive. It's an interview I did with the internationally successful American singer-songwriter Michael Bolton. This took place in 1995, when he attended the 25th anniversary of Air Studios in London, co-founded by the legendary record producer George Martin. I began by asking Michael what had brought him to the celebration. Well, you know, a couple of uh, exciting things. Um, you know, first of all, the uh, celebration of uh, in 25 years of air with uh, George Martin. I had never met George before. I've just been a fan since I can remember listening to music, you know. And speaking to him, I, he didn't know it, but I was, you know, just kind of shaking in my boots, you know, and uh, just uh, legendary. And, and I just, I don't know anybody really who doesn't equate him, uh, George, with, with this certain quality that uh, very few producers, um, you know, consistently maintain through their entire career. So, I mean, there are some great producers out there, but it's kind of like Martin Scorsese or something, you know. It's just... Um, is he a childhood hero pretty, of yours? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, pretty awesome. I mean, I, of course, I was part of... I was conquered by the British invasion at a young age in, in, in America, you know, and, and uh, Beatle fanatic. But beyond the, you know, the songs and the, and the, and the talent that he produced, just the, the consistency of quality. So are you going to work with him? I have. I mean, we didn't discuss it. What we did discuss was coming here and uh, getting a tour mm. in the studio and looking around. And you know, I certainly would be honored to work with him. Um, and then hearing him speak, you know, you could see where the quality comes from because it's it's mm. within the integrity of the man himself. And of course, at the same time, it's exciting because uh, uh, you know Bethan uh, Davies is uh, very excited to to announce the launching of uh, of Heart Radio here. And I've been waiting for a long time. I've, I've been very fortunate to receive a lot of support from a lot of radio in this country um this is really the second biggest fan base for me in the entire world after the states and uh, i have a huge core audience here very loyal fans they come to my shows they buy each record as it comes out and it wouldn't have happened without the support of a lot of radio but what i've seen is there's there's been a lack of the competitive spirit you know uh it's now opening up and and i think it's, it's a great improvement for the country but there was, when I first got here, a lack of that kind of the ability for stations to reach out and expand and, you know, and, and uh, kind of appeal in certain areas. There were a lot of, a lot of uh, restrictions, I think old school restrictions. And I think that um, you know, now Hart is going to open up this whole other perception of radio and music. And there already are. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's some great, great stations here. So I think there's plenty of room, and I think what everyone's going to find is that they're going to be a little nervous about the competition at first, and Hart will have to be very ambitious, of course. But people are going to find there there is plenty of room for a new kid on the block. How about working as a DJ for them or doing a, a stint for them? Uh-huh. I'm I'm sure that you know, I mean, my general philosophy has been, you know, people who are there for me, I am there for in return, and and that works with most people. Every once in a while, you find an unfortunate little area of of the industry where loyalty is not important to some people. But for the most part, people remember. And if they're there for you and supportive, you should definitely come back and just basically show your appreciation. And fortunately, I have some great people at the label who know how to make that happen in a way that makes sense for everybody. And everybody's happy. It's tough to please everybody. But if people are there and supportive of me, and especially in, in, a, in a country like this where it's, it's so important for me to have that acceptance and have a radio support, um, if they're there for me, I'll be there for them.
How happy are you with your kind of audience? Do you wish it was more widespread? Or are you happy with the sort of people you attract? Oh, I, I, have a, I have a pretty... I'm very fortunate to have the audience I have, actually, because, and as you might know from, from Universal or from years and years and years ago, you know, I started out, I was an opening act for Kenny G in the States for a little while, playing in front of 3,000 people, 3,500 people. And now I have an audience of basically the, the shows consist of 15 or 16,000 people a night and a lot of um, multiple dates at the same location. Um, it's a very warm audience. A very, it's not a quiet audience. It's a warm, affectionate audience. And that's real important to me because when I'm performing in front of them, and you've performed these songs 150, 250 times, some of the hits, it, something has to be fresh night after night. And what's fresh is your relationship with that audience. And that might sound corny to you, but anybody who's been touring for a long time knows that. There's a relationship that you establish with your audience. And they expect something from you, and you live up to their expectations, and that relationship just gets better every time you come around. So I feel great about it. You know, what I like to expand it only in the sense that um, you know, if I if I park myself in in uh, you know whether it's London or Manchester or Birmingham, I like to do it for three, four, five nights instead of two, three nights. Or in London, instead of doing four nights, I like to be able to do seven nights. But I don't think I want the nature of the audience to change. You know, uh, I think that uh, I think I have a great, great audience. For all the great success you have, you have a fair amount of people who knock you every now and again. Does that hurt you? It used to. Um, it used to until I understood who they were. And then I considered it a compliment. At first, I wasn't ready. I was too sensitive, uh, and I wasn't ready for it because all the, I, you know, after 20 years of struggling and striving, I worked basically my ass off to try to make the best-sounding record that could be made. I worked with the best producers in the industry, the greatest musicians. We worked meticulously, and I put, poured out my heart and soul in the studio, and and all of a sudden had huge success. And so everywhere I went, people were just kind of opening all their doors and saying, God, we love your new record, we love your new record. And when you get a lot of that, it's very abrasive and, and a shock when somebody goes, how dare you make a record? How dare you breathe? And that's basically, and you say, what happened? What are these people about? And you find that there is a, a group of kind of um, core, nasty, venomous critics out there. And they're a little click. And once you recognize who they are, you realize what the problem is. And the problem is that they're like eunuchs, basically, in that they can't participate. They can't write. They can't sing. They can't get a record deal. They can't work for a magazine. They can't work for a record company. They, can't, they don't have the ears. But they can do these little critiques. They don't have to be a true journalist. They don't have to ask questions. They don't have to be in-depth. All they get to do is just sit there and just shoot out their venom. And how they get attention is by shooting at big artists. Because when you see the name you know, um, Whitney Houston, and then you, and some, you're going to read the article, or you see Mariah Carey or Michael Bolden or Bruce Springsteen or something like that, all of a sudden you read the article. That's how they get their attention. Hmm. And there's a little clique of, of guys who are so, so little as people, they, tap, they pat themselves on the back and say, hey, I saw how you ripped, you ripped apart uh, the new blah, blah, blah album. Boy, did you kill him, you know? And that's just it's a kind of a lack of maturity and, and a lack of respect and a lack of integrity, basically. Mm. So when you realize that, it's not quite as insulting. It's just the kind of the uh, the, the bitter ones who couldn't get into the party, mm. so to speak. A lot of people have a go at you because of your hair and so on. Does that bother you? Or you know, I mean, can you... I mean, my voice is what... Basically, I'm a life support system for my voice, you know. And what I do is I try to, try to enjoy my own creative process of, you know, picking songs I love or writing songs I love. Mm and just doing the best I can with it, making the best records I possibly can. I get the pleasure of working with such great 
producers and artists, you know, from Mutt Lang to David Foster and Walter Afanasiev, and the greatest musicians in the, in the world. The same guys who do some of my records will do Eric Clapton's records, they'll do B.B. King's records. I mean, nobody knows the people we circulate with and that we work with, but we just want the best. To be able to have that is, is such, a, is such a, a, a gratifying thing in my life, you know? And, um, it's almost as if you can't believe how lucky you are, really. Well, you know, I, I don't ever want to take it for granted. Mm. I don't ever want to say, hey, you know, I worked hard, so I deserve this. I know that if I didn't work hard, I wouldn't deserve it. But I think you work hard so that you do deserve it. And then if you're fortunate, you have it and it happens. And then you can also turn around and give something back to people who are less fortunate. And you can look back and say, you know what, I was there. I was where that person is or where that family is. I know what it's like to struggle. And I feel like... I'm actually glad that it was a 20-year journey for me. Now, what that has to do with my hair or not, I couldn't tell you. you know? But my life basically is too full of things I've worked hard for and rewarding moments for me to be too concerned about mm. it. But you are going to chop it off now, aren't you, for a movie or something? Well, no, no. If, if this particular movie that I've developed and written goes, I would have to in order to play the part that mm. I actually created for the movie. Would you grab it back on again? We'll have to see. I, I mm. plan on it, yeah. Mm. You know, and the other thing is, too, for people who don't know, and this is, this, I'm going to blame this on, on uh, basically the English, because when the British invasion happened, I was a giant Beatle fan. I was a Stones fan. I was a Kinks fan, a Zombies fan, but huge, huge Beatle fan. And I grew my hair long. And when I say long, I mean a little longer than yours. It was just slightly over my ears. And we had to physically fight to walk down the street in New Haven, Connecticut with, with long hair. So I'm dating myself yeah. here, but this is true. So what I did was I went through this rebellious period where I, I got very defiant, and I said, nobody is going to tell me what to look like, what to act like. And fortunately, my father, who was a fairly conservative guy, came to bat for me and wouldn't let the school pressure me into cutting my hair and wouldn't let anybody pressure me. I was in organized sports. He wouldn't let them force me into cutting my hair to participate in sports. So I hung in there. Um, and I'm sure that a large part of of what I recall of, uh, is my connection to that defiance and my connection with establishing my right to be who I am. But then since that time, I've seen long hair all of a sudden, all the people who they wouldn't let their, their sons hang out with me because they were afraid they would grow long hair. I saw them all grow their long hair. And then I saw everything, the, tra- the trends completely change and everyone cut their hair real short. And then I saw it start again. And now I'm seeing all this long hair again. And I may see it two or three times. I don't know. Maybe I'll, someday I'll be like George Martin in my own studio and we'll have the same conversation. And I'll say, yeah, we'll, we'll look back and you'll say, so you never did cut your hair, did you, Michael? And I'll say, what does it have to do with uh, anything? Mm. You know? How have your fans reacted to the fact that you're working with Pavarotti soon? I'm not sure that all of them are aware yet or not. Um, matter of fact, I'm quite sure they're not, but I just did a, a piece with, with uh, E.T. So in America, uh, probably next week it'll be out. Um, I know that I'm personally so thrilled. It's, it's like, it's a, that's another kind of milestone to me. I'm honored to be asked to perform with him. I have a song that I've always wanted to sing. I've done a little bit of it in concert from time to time. It's Pagliacci, and I've been working like the devil to learn the Italian to be able to sing it so that any Italian could understand the words and he may hear a little accent but he's not going to be appalled you know and I need to be on the same stage as Pavarotti singing opera and it's uh, it's something I'm very proud of and I, I I think it's a safe bet or maybe this is not I certainly hope it doesn't sound uh, you know overconfident I have if anything I have faith in my audience that they'll appreciate it they'll probably be happy for me that the opportunity has arisen you 
I have uh, got so many things going on at the moment. You've got your greatest hits package out as well. What about a new album from you and some concerts over here? Because we're dying to see you over here. Well, I appreciate it. Um, and I'm anxious to come back, believe me, eager. One, one of the good things is I had enough time after touring last year for about eight months of the year and basically seeing pictures of my home instead of my home itself was that I got to um, you know, get a lot of that touring out of my system. And I know I'll never, do, never go out there that long again without breaks in between. It's just... The aging process, I think, doubles or triples. But it was a great experience, but I started to put together The Greatest Hits, but I started writing as well. And I wound up recording five new songs for The Greatest Hits so that a lot of my fans who'd be anxious for the next record would get half of a new album as well as The Greatest Hits. And I think that's the best of both worlds because um, most people put out The Greatest Hits, and from what I understand, there's one, the single that, that gets it out there, or two new songs. So I'm happy I got five, and it was tough to do it in time for the release date that we were looking for. So hopefully that's going to at least kind of um, do something, make a dent in the appetite for a new Bolton album for the fans. And at the same time, they're going to have some of their favorite, very, very well-known hits that I've had. And, you know, and just pop that in and live with it. And, and that'll hopefully whet their appetite for, for a next tour. I'd like to come over in February if I, if I can. Mm. That would be my wish. How satisfied with your career are you so far? <laughs> I, can, I can tell you this on two levels. It's a good question. See, this is why you'd make a lousy critic and a good journalist. Um, there, are two, there are two areas. And when you talk about satisfaction, no artist who is always striving to be the best he can be is ever satisfied. I have yet to meet a producer, songwriter, singer, guitarist. I have met to, uh, yet to meet anyone who wants to be the best they can be ever satisfied and that's what keeps them going that's what keeps them striving keeps them moving okay. um, so in that level I'll always be looking forward to the next step forward with my voice and this is one of the exciting things about this Pavarotti thing is now I'm developing in a whole other area of my voice I want to get to know it can I touch you there is the beginning of a new direction for me and that's really exciting um, am I excited with the success of my career it's, it's beyond it's beyond comprehension to me when I think about it. I just wanted to make a living for 20 years doing what I love to do. I had, and back then, a gold record would have been success. I didn't know I was going to sell 35, 40 million albums in six years. Two more questions, if I may. You write and sing some of the most romantic songs ever. Are you actually quite a romantic person yourself? What I am is back, uh, actually is a deep romantic. So deep down inside, I want the ultimate romance and nothing less will do for me and it, whether I'm a dreamer or not you know I had this dream of my career and I pursued it and it happened and I never gave up and it happened and I believe that most people who do achieve what they want are people who hold steadfast and and, and just uh, just will not accept no you know for an answer and I believe ultimately that uh, that the committed final relationship is like your dream home one day when you're finally in a position you say this is the position I'm in this is, what I, this is where I would like to spend the rest of my life. You better love where you're going to be. And that's how I feel about romance. Final question, on a lighter note, yeah. how did you feel about being the man whose music was played when Hugh Grant was uh, with a Hollywood hooker? Oh, see, nobody told me that, but they're trying to connect me with everything, so I don't doubt it. Um, I wish I could have received 25% uh, of the promotion during a release of an album that that man uh, re uh, uh, did receive, but um, nobody told me about that. So, But on the other hand... In Los Angeles, my music is played probably every 30 seconds, so I don't know, probably a lot of other things are taking place as well. Yeah, I, I guarantee you that if, 
if my music, if I could have influenced you with my music, I would have told him that uh, you know the woman he has is quite beautiful enough, you know, and uh, he seems to have learned his lesson, I guess you might say. Uh, but uh, it's, the, the mind boggles, doesn't it? He's dude anyway. Thanks very much indeed. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Cheers, no.